Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, everyone, where we bring a broke-ass rowboat mindset to the mega-yacht-loving podium of Formula One racing. Got to get your sea legs out here today. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, auto journalists who literally co-wrote, published, and now have for sale a book on Formula One racing. It's the authors of Racing with Rich Energy. We have Elizabeth Blackstock. Hello. Good morning. And Alanis King. Hi. Get yourself a copy of Racing with Rich Energy today. Guys, how are we doing? How was your weekend? I uh, I actually did things this weekend in wow. a stunning turn of events. Yeah, we have a a literal nut festival at the town that I live in. <laughs> a nut festival. A so nut festival. I, I went to the peanut festival, ate some gorditas made by Mexican women who did not speak English, and they were the best things I've ever eaten in my entire life. Sounds delicious. Uh, do they have peanuts in them? They did not. No, you can okay. just get a lot. So of, why like, are peanut. they at the Why are they at the peanut festival? Then is the peanut festival just like an anything festival? But it's called the Peanut Festival? Yeah, it used to be like we, this town used to grow a lot of peanuts, but now we don't anymore because of over farming. So it's just kind of turned into like the town festival, but we have okay. a, a, a little peanut like statue in the in the town square. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's, this was like the 75th anniversary of this little festival. And then Sunday was my sister's 16th birthday. So we went out to a Brazilian steakhouse and she passed her driver's test on the first try. Okay, but Brazilian steakhouses are, like, notoriously expensive, right? Like, you go and you spend some cash at those oh, places. Yeah. yeah, but I also ate, like, my body weight in meat. <laughs> so I think, like, it. I feel like it evens out with the amount that I ate. That's fascinating. I went to Chili's on Friday, and <laughs> and our server is always either christian or sean and we didn't have christian this time we had sean and sean feels really bad for me because chili's got rid of the two for 25 deal which is two meals for 25 dollars inflation <laughs> right and so sean feels really bad for us and so every week when we go in there sean gives us free pink lemonade because he's like yeah it's so unfair to you that they got rid of two for 25 i'm so sorry thank you so much sean Big shout out to Sean and Christian over at 
chilies. <laughs> no, that was your weekend. That was pretty good, yeah. Uh, I, I think I had a different Japanese Grand Prix experience than you guys because I'm over here in L.A. So the It was time's probably up, much more enjoyable. It was. It started at like 10 p.m., which is a good time. I think every F1 race should be at that time. It's awesome. Um, but it did go until about 1 in the morning. Beforehand, uh, my girlfriend went to Trader Joe's, got some hey. snacks. Okay. Uh, it was lovely. It sounds like you guys had a nice little time. It was good. Yeah, it was awesome. And then last night, my buddy hit me up like last minute to go see Mashuga at the Hollywood Palladium. Oh. I don't know if you guys are fans of yes. Mashuga, but yes, that I am. Was one of my, my, <laughs> my bucket list bands. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, pretty Nicely cool to done. see them. Yeah, it was a very, very loud show. Wore my hearing protection I, as I do at every concert nowadays. You're smart. Isn't um, it sad when you get so old that you start wearing <laughs> hearing protection? Because like I remember when I used to go to Warp Tour when I was a kid, matter. and it was like Wall of Death, and you're like 12 <laughs> years old, and all these grown men are like just running at you. And now we're at the age where we're not doing Walls of Death. We have hearing protection yes. on our ears. Yes, that means exactly. you're old. Anyway, imagine Charlotte Claire. At Warp Tour. <laughs> in a wall yeah, of death. <laughs> Land Lando's just getting laid out in the mosh pit. <laughs> Daniel loves a you know Parkway Drive. I think he'd yeah. do fine in the yes, mosh pit. Yes, I think he'd do um, fine. I feel Latifi, like most of the F1 grid would be touched yeah. by a plebeian and like not be interested anymore. <laughs> Contractually, here's my question. Contractually, is Daniel Ricardo allowed to be in a mosh pit? I'm adding this to my list of non-racing questions that I'm going to try to ask race car drivers. I tell him that one's for me. That's tell him that one. one's from Alanis Morissette. That's a really set. good one. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, so big uh, big thank you to my friend Dex for hooking me up with that Mashuga ticket. That was a great show. Speaking of great shows, the theater of Formula One drags on with our first news story this week. We're going to be talking about cost caps a very oh. exciting topic no but it is exciting and it's important to the sport so let's get into it <laughs> you guys have been asking for us to cover this uh the cost cap controversy but first let's get some context for some of you who might not know what's up basically uh formula one has limits on the amount of money a team can spend on its cars in a given year okay the limitations were set in 2021 to even the playing field between teams like mercedes and haas you know if you have a huge team they're going to be able to spend a lot more money than some of the, the back marker and midfield teams. So this rule was set in place to kind of help the uh, parity between the teams. Originally, the cost cap was going to be $175 million for last year. But after COVID messed with the 2020 season, a uh, few of the teams were in financial dire straits, to be honest. So they, they cut that down even further to a scant $145 million. Yeah. Wow. That is not very much money, is it? Overspending is defined as 5% or less over budget. That's considered a minor overspend. But in Formula One, you know, 5% is still $7.25 million. And that $7 million could go towards as many as 70 engineers or a lot of parts for your car. It's a huge advantage over other teams. So earlier this year, rumors started to come out that Red Bull and Aston Martin had gone over that budget cap. If those rumors turn out to be true, uh, any penalties would be given out by the cost cap adjudication panel. A group of six to 12 judges voted into their positions by the FIA and the teams. So they're people that the FIA trust that were also approved by the teams. They're not supposed to be biased or anything like that. They've all been agreed upon by everyone involved. 
So basically, Red Bull have been accused of overspending during their 2021 season, which had the notoriously controversial ending between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen on the last laps of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Um, So this cost cap controversy is now adding fuel to that fire, thanks largely to Mercedes team principal Toto Wolff, who is willing to take any, any moment to make Red Bull look like a fool. So... The adjudication panel this morning found that Red Bull did, in fact, do a, a minor overspend, so somewhere up to $7.25 million. And the FIA is now in a process of determining exactly what that punishment will be. In terms of what punishments are allowed, a lot of them come down to kind of the way that points are distributed. That would be huge in a year where Red Bull won a world championship and... Max Verstappen was world champion, and especially when we take into consideration the fact that this has happened again, and Max Verstappen is now world champion again, could technically affect his 2021 win. Toto said to Sky Sports, all of us have been investigated diligently, and as far as we understand, there is a team in a minor breach, which is more procedural, and another team that is fundamentally massively over, and that is still being looked after. It's an open secret in the paddock, Toto says. So the team that was procedurally over was Aston Martin. Basically, that just means they probably improperly filed something. That's fine. There will probably not be any massive penalties. Williams had a similar issue earlier this year and were fined for it. So the FIA was initially supposed to decide this, you know, last week, but decided to push it until after the Japanese Grand Prix, presumably because the World Championship was going to be decided at the Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, So we have now basically found out that Red Bull have overspent. Red Bull is adamantly denying that this is the case. Uh, Red Bull (laughs) believes that it is. It's deflammatory. Yeah, it's deflammatory. Their expenditures apparently are legal and allowed. There are some sources currently that are claiming that the expenditure was only one to two million dollars over and it was all for catering costs. Um, (laughs) That's my favorite part. Uh, The FIA have not released exactly how much money Red Bull went over, but it is within that $7.25 million limit for the quote-unquote minor overspend. It's an interesting situation here because if I don't think the FIA is going to win any possible way that they sort this out. Because if they do nothing, or if they implement some sort of penalty that preserves the world championship for Max Verstappen, that it essentially tells teams that they can get driver championships by overspending. And, and there's no repercussions aside from perhaps they lose the title for the, the, the team championship. Um, but even that, like points have already been doled out. Prize money has already been doled out. It's really hard to do that. Um, in the past, historically, the FIA has been hesitant to take away points from drivers. Um, when we think of the, the Spygate scandal back in... 2007, McLaren were found to have stolen technical intelligence secrets from Ferrari, and the team was punished, but the drivers all got to keep their points. But if that happens, like, Verstappen still had the best car, it's it's not great. Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, that whole thing, that the Spygate makes sense because, you know, the drivers earn their points on track. They might not have been privy to what was going on, but like you said, Liz, like, because of the nature of this breach of the rules, like if they overspent on Max's car, Max benefited from that. Yeah. So but maybe, but Max didn't have any influence in it, so maybe he doesn't get punished. Yeah. 
With, uh. Like it's it's just a lose lose no matter what. I don't think anyone is ever going to be happy about this. I am certainly already displeased. <laughs> well, I mean, I think what's crazy here is the fact that we have so many factors that are impacting this, and like we start out just blanket starting out the finale last year. The finale last year is has been questioned many, many, many times and for months since it happened. It's because, you know, the finale was decided in a very um, controversial way where race control allowed lapped cars to get their laps back, overtake the field, whatever, lined up Max Verstappen right behind Lewis Hamilton, who was on old tires. Max Verstappen was on new tires. Basically, it was the decision that allowed Max Verstappen to win the race because there was no way Lewis Hamilton was going to win on older tires. And Lewis Hamilton, when this safety car happened, had a 12-second lead. So it's like, oh, we started off kind of bad because that was not awesome how that happened. Again, like I will say, both drivers deserved that championship. You know, it was going to be one or the other when we came out of it and they both deserved it. But the way it actually happened was very, very iffy. Um, And so you start out with that. Then we have 2021 was the first year of these cost caps meant to make the playing field more competitive, right? More level. Um, First year of cost caps and we have the championship winning team who won the championship in a very iffy way going over the cost cap. This is like, not only does this set precedent for what happens in the future, like how much teams will overspend by if they overspend, but it also cements a very iffy situation in the first place. And like Elizabeth said, there is no winning for the FIA here. This is a mess. It's it's one thing to take away someone's second place in the world championship and another thing to take away their entire first world championship. Exactly. And it's just like, this is a very yikes situation. And I think it will be really, really interesting to see what happens because, I mean, this tells teams, what can we do? Because race teams love to push the rules. They the love to bend the rules, break the rules. The purpose of racing is not necessarily to follow the rule book. It is to find the loopholes in the rule book. And that's the thing that bothers me is that the FIA is like notorious for, I don't know, squeaking stuff by. Like, cons- we will get to it, but the discussion of how Max Verstappen was awarded his championship during this weekend was... One of those situations where perhaps the FIA had taken a very generous interpretation of a rule. If it were up to me, personally, I I would take away the championship. It's not a popular decision, but this if you hardball it now, you don't have to worry about this yes. five years from now. Yes. If you hardball it now, it puts everyone in their place. It sets a precedent that this is... Yeah difficult but like everyone is going to suffer if you choose to do this which i think is the only way that you're going to have any long-term outcome here if you let if you punish the team and like take away red bull as a team's points but you let verstappen have the world championship you've just basically like given it to them yeah the fia's kind of nebulous inconsistency over the past few years is only serving to harm the sport in the long run. I totally agree with you, Elizabeth. Guys like Christian Horner see the weakness in the FIA, and they will take advantage of it, and they need to kind of nip that in the bud right now. I mean, that makes Christian Horner a good team principal, but also when you're talking about something like a cost cap, which is explicitly designed to level the playing field, 
that's like a slap in the face to everything that the FIA stands for. Yeah. I think I would not want to be the FIA right now because I do, I do agree. Like Elizabeth is correct. If you don't hardball this now, you are screwed in the future. You are in so much trouble because if you don't say like, we will wreck you, like we will, we will put you in your place if you go over our cost cap. If you don't do that right now, it's going to be a bad deal because how many world championships are decided by... 10 points or less. Not exactly. many. Yeah. So is your points penalty going to be like five points to Max Verstappen? He keeps the championship. Uh, people are probably going to, uh, they're probably going to exploit that if you do that. It's like, it's a very difficult decision to make and it's going to suck whatever happens. The thing that gets me is the timing of this. Like we have decided this. Like should the FIA not have had all of the spending for 2021 already? Like, could we have not solved this before the world championship was set to be decided? Because I feel like it would have made it a lot easier because now you're making your decision based on like two years of Mm -hmm. races as opposed to just 2021. Godspeed, FIA. You're going to need it. I wish them so much luck. (laughs) But you know what? In better news than the FIA and all of that, um, Pierre Gasly is going to... Alpine. Hey, hey, all French team. Baguettes, baby. I'm talking yeah. escargot. These are all the French <laughs> stereotypes that I know. Get them berets on, boys. Very excited for Pierre to be ba- still in the in the sport. Congrats to Pierre. Nick DeVries is taking his seat at Alpha Tauri. How That's wild. Beautiful. This man gets in a Williams car as a sub, and then they're like, huh, he can drive. Now we're going to hire him. So congrats to Nick. Uh, your other championships obviously didn't do much to get you a Formula One ride, but that substitute <laughs> that substitute race did it. Good Thank for you, Nick. Alex Albon, for having appendicitis. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor Alex. Like, Alex almost died, and Nick is like, yeah, I got an F1 ride out of that. Pierre Gasly is going to race alongside Esteban Ocon, who, as you might remember from our last episode, is rumored to be not too fond of Pierre. But also, who knows? <laughs> who knows who's I'm, telling the truth? I'm excited to see how it plays out. Like, I never got the vibe that they can't stand to be around each other, but perhaps it will just take one race. Because we've got a situation where neither are, like, the number one or number two driver. Like, currently at Alpine, it's obvious that Fernando Alonso is probably going to have some preferential treatment. I actually like that. I kind of like like fighting for who is number one and just being like super petty because, you know, in Formula One, Formula One is defined by having a number one driver and a number two driver and number two driver takes team orders to help number one driver. So if Esteban and Pierre are just like establishing who's number one, like I want to see some fist fights. I want to see like (laughs) battle of the best here. I think it's going to be good. I'm excited. I just wanted to say that Nick DeVries reminds me of Randall from Recess. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's what my husband's been saying that Nick DeVries looks like a cartoon character. Like, he looks like a child in a cartoon show. (laughs) He does, actually. Like, I I can see it. Like, he's just... But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that means, like, he has, like, a very smooth and nice face, whereas, like, (laughs) the rest of us age. He looks like Randall from Recess and Walton Goggins, the actor, mixed together. We're going to have so many 
enemies. <laughs> these are not bad things. I like Walton like, Goggins a lot, but I'm just like saying, Randall like, from Re- is Randall from Recess cute, Nolan? No, no, no. But uh, okay, Walton, Walton Goggins is like a handsome dude. Uh, I'm just saying, like Nick DeVries, very animated looking fellow. And you know what? Maybe like anyone who comes into F1, like any rookie driver, like you're not used to their face. Like when Pierre Gasly came in, you know? <laughs> I thought he was ugly cute. I was like, I I get it, but also I don't get it. Same with Max. No, Same Max with... Verstappen's not cute. Max Verstappen looks like Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not the first to say it, but I will be part of the chorus. He looks like Jackie Kennedy. Um, and there's is, like He does. There's... He looks like Jackie Onassis. <laughs> He looks like her. Okay, right? So oh on TikTok, God. the theme has been Jackie Kennedy eats sheet metal. And I think this is like quasi-bullying. But when you think about it in the context of Max Verstappen looks like Jackie Kennedy, it's really funny to imagine Max Verstappen eating sheet metal. Maybe that's where they went over the cost cap. Max Verstappen was eating all the sheet metal, Okay. And they had to replace $7 million worth of sheet metal because Max Verstappen ate it. That's a great segue into Conspiracy Corner, don't we think? I think so. Go. Okay, disclaimer. Conspiracy Corner is not about inner working conspiracies within Formula One. It is just things I believe to be true and like to shout about. Anyway, Valtteri Botas. All right, let me tell you about him. All right, this man looks like he delivers beer in a beer delivery truck. He also he also looks like he owns a landscaping company. If you imagine Valtteri Botas on a riding lawnmower doing like the little checkerboard pattern in like a mansion lawn, this man owns a landscaping company. And that leads me into the fact that Valtteri, Elizabeth is showing me the timer. I have got 26 seconds. Thank you very much. That leads me into the fact that Valtteri Botas, in my mind, his favorite restaurant is Long John Silver's and his favorite food is Hush Puppies. Okay, you look at that man and that looks like a man who goes home for the holidays and says, Mom, can you put some Hush Puppies in the oven? And I would know this because I asked my mother to put Hush Puppies in the <laughs> oven. Thank you so much. We have one second and I'm done. <laughs> that was something. Congratulations. Okay, but was it true? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for my next conspiracy corner, which is most of the Formula One grid could realistically pull off an Aquaman costume, and those who cannot could pull off a Spider Man costume. <laughs> That's just a fact. So that leaves two empty seats for next year. So one is at Haas and one is at Williams, all right? That also means that everyone's favorite Aussie, Daniel Ricciardo, is probably not going to be on the grid th- next season. He has said as much. Um, you were probably checking Instagram and saw all the, like, pull quotes from Daniel Ricciardo, which is, I won't be on the grid next year. The full quote was actually, the like, something like, the reality now is I think I won't be on the F1 grid next year. So if you saw those pull quotes... They missed a very important, I think, (laughs) not 100%, but he pretty much thinks he's not going to be on the F1 grid. I mean, if your options were Haas or Williams, I feel like I would also take a breather year. (laughs) (laughs) Take a gap year, yeah. Uh, It's Mick who is uh, seeing if he's staying around. 
I don't know. I think if I was Daniel and Haas did give me a ring, I'd be looking at the fact that Kevin has been able to get some get some performance out of that car. I do think Haas is on an upward trajectory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have a breakout year next year, but eh, I don't know. Taking a pay cut for car development like that. Yeah, that's that's a lot of work for not a lot of reward, at least yeah, not that's immediate true. payoff. I just, I do really just want to see Gunther Steiner and Daniel Ricciardo interacting on a regular basis. Oh my God. Be iconic. Here's the thing. If you're Daniel Ricciardo, is it not better for your personal brand and your like financial standing to go to a team, even if it's not that great? Because Daniel Ricciardo will benefit from another season of Drive to Survive. He will benefit from another season on the grid, even if he does not do well. And that allows him to build his like post F1 brand and post F1 career. And if I'm him, even if it's not a great team, I'm probably going to go because I can decide my future better from a branding standpoint rather than a driving standpoint. Plus, he gets to be an honorary American. That's enough news for this week. Let's talk about the Japanese Grand Prix, starting with the circuit at the Suzuka International Racing Course. Lace up those shoes, get that pedometer. It's time to get our step count up with our track walk. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Suzuka was built in 1962 by a very not famous man named Soichiro Honda who wanted to build a track to test his company's cars. Although the Dutch designer who built Suzuka tried to get Honda to let the track pass over and under itself three times, it only ended up with one crossover, which is more than most tracks. Yes, aside from the iconic crossover, the 5.8 kilometer or 3.6 mile track, pretty damn long there, features snaking S-curves, and is one of the most popular circuits for those who love to go fast and uh, Gran Turismo fans. And even though Japan is one of the newer kids on the calendar, it didn't join Formula One until 1987. Wow. That doesn't mean it doesn't have a rich history. During its first race weekend, Williams driver Nigel Mansell crashed out in qualifying, which gave his bitter rival and teammate Nelson Piquet the championship. Uh, legends Ayrton Senna, Alan Prost, and Michael Schumacher all had major moments here. Uh, and this has also been the site of tragedy. Um, this was the track where Marussia driver Joel Bianchi lost his life after a crash with a recovery vehicle in 2014. I will never forget that. I was a huge Marussia fan. I was a huge Joel Bianchi fan. That was, that was bad news bears. 
So let's get some context going into this weekend's Japanese Grand Prix. Elizabeth, set us off here. Going into the weekend, Red Bull's Max Verstappen was one win and a fastest lap away from being 2022's driver champion. But that was not the only thing that was happening. Before the Japanese Grand Prix, Max was sitting pretty in first place, and his teammate Sergio Perez was in a tight battle with Ferrari's Charles Leclerc for second. And by tight, I mean it was a two-point difference. Red Bull was also leading the Constructors' Championship by 137 points. Uh, so unless they mess up monumentally, and they probably won't because they're not Ferrari, they're <laughs> most likely going to clinch their first Constructors' Championship since 2013. And as we discussed last week, the best of the risk for the Constructors' Championship is still exciting. At the Singapore Grand Prix, McLaren pulled ahead of rival Alpine and landed fourth in the rankings, but by only four points. <laughs> the front of the grid is done. Um, whatever. We're not paying attention. We want to know who gets fourth. All right? I want to know yeah. how strong Lando Norris has to be to pull the entire McLaren team on his shoulders. <laughs> be nice! <laughs> <laughs> He's such a little man, too. He is, like he's, he's so, so small, small, but he's and doing skinny. such a good job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's carrying it on his shoulders, isn't he? Speaking of Lando, he's been going through a big uh, photography phase. So if you go on Instagram, he posts a lot of like candid photos of Daniel Ricardo, which it's good. He's he's definitely in his like post breakup. Like, I need to find a new way to define myself and DJing yeah. and photography have been the two options. Okay, but here's the thing. If I see Lando Norris, should I, at the U.S. Grand Prix, should I be like, hey, post a photo of me on your Instagram account. Peace sign. Make sure you bring a copy of the book to, like, subtly hold out as marketing. Okay, but <laughs> Lando, do you want to post a moody photo of my book, Racing with Rich Energy, on your Instagram account? And he'd be like, what? Who are you? And I'd be like, it doesn't matter, Lando. That's not what we're talking about. And then exactly. I would just figure out a way to convince him, right? Yeah. All right. So during qualifying uh, for Suzuka... There was a near miss between Max Verstappen and McLaren's Lando Norris in Q3. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo missed out on Q3 by a three thousandth of a second. Oof. Pierre Gasly had brake issues and then had to start the race for pit lane due to repairs. And as I'm sure you can imagine, Max Verstappen got pole, beating Charles Leclerc by a meager 0.01 seconds. So going into the race, it was Verstappen and Leclerc on the front row. And Sainz and Perez on the second row, followed by Esteban Ocon, who got a really nice fifth place. That's our dude! That's our boy! This race was a wild one. Uh, As you can imagine, with a race in Japan during Japan's hurricane and weather season, it was wet. (laughs) It rained. What a shock. So Formula One decided that it was going to start pretty much on time and sent the drivers out for a, a little cruise for two laps. Uh, yeah, a little cruise where half yeah. of them crashed. Yeah, so Ferrari's Carlos Sainz crashed in the first lap. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But Marshall sent a recovery truck onto the circuit while the drivers were still on the track behind the safety car. So Pierre Gasly had picked up debris from the crash and he pitted for a new front wing. So he jumped back on the track and was kind of going a little bit faster, perhaps, than he should have been trying to catch the back of the pack. But no one was expecting that there would be a recovery vehicle on the racing line 
on the circuit. So Gasly came very close to the tractor, and he was pretty much the main one who saw it. Um, and that basically, he was on track, he was speeding. The red flag came out, uh, and then seconds later, Gasly saw the truck. So it wasn't really enough time for anyone to slow down or do anything. Um, even if it was enough time to slow down, there were still cars on the track. And when you have these very dangerous conditions, um, having a recovery vehicle is a bad idea because a car can lose control very easily and aquaplane right into that, especially when it's on the racing line. Um, and especially because a lot of drivers admitted that they did not even see it. Um, Daniel Ricardo, I believe was one and Lance Stroll was another one who was like, I kind of saw it in the replays of the onboards, but when I was on track, didn't know it was there. Um, as we mentioned in our track walk, uh, Jules Bianchi died at this track, hitting a very similar recovery vehicle. Um, he basically lost control uh, of his car and slid right underneath a recovery truck. Uh, he suffered immense brain damage, um, was on life support for about a year, and then passed away in 2015. So Bianchi's father, Philippe, said on Instagram, no respect for the life of the driver, no respect for Jules' memory, incredible, and a lot of angry faces, which was entirely justified. Basically, like, all you could see was Gasly was upset, and no one could, like, exactly tell what the situation had been uh, until the onboards started to play and people online started to point out to commentators that actually there was a recovery vehicle on, on the track. After the fact, Gasly said, we lost Jules eight years ago in similar conditions with a crane on the track in the gravel. I don't understand how eight years later in similar conditions, we can still see a crane, not even on the gravel, but on the racing line. Uh, and then he continued, if I would have lost the car in a similar way as Carlos had lost it on the lap before, I was doing 200 kilometers per hour, but it's not the matter. Even at 100 kilometers per hour, if I would have lost it and hit a 12 ton crane, I would be dead right now. And he's not wrong. Given the conditions and the righteous anger in the paddock and race fans around the world, the FIA is conducting an investigation into what happened and why the tractor was on the racing line. And especially so soon after a crash, generally you want the cars, if you're going to red flag the race, you want them off the track before you send any recovery vehicles out, especially since there was no driver in the car at the time. Carlos had gotten out safely. One of the key aspects of the investigation will likely focus on whether the trackside marshals acted unilaterally in sending the crane out so quickly or whether they were authorized to do so by race control. Um, I had read something that like the Japanese marshals take a lot of pride in responding very quickly to accidents, but I'm not sure if that's going to end up being the case. Whatever the case was, Gasly actually got a penalty. Ugh. He breached Article 57.2 of the sporting regulations, which state that cars should return slowly to the pit lane in the event of a red flag. Uh, in Gasly's defense, he conceded he was going quickly, but the stewards found that although the speed could not by any measure be regarded as slow as required in the regulations, it was slower than the maximum speed that could be achieved in those conditions, which is just the FIA way of saying we're going to penalize you. Uh, he got a drive-through penalty, which ended up adding 20 seconds to his race time. And he was also given two penalty points on his super license, which brings his tally to for this 12-month period to nine. That's not great. That is not great at all. The penalty also drops him from 17th to 18th in the final classification for the race, uh, moving Mick Schumacher up from finishing last but one. I'm kind of upset about the peer penalty. Like, I get it. But I also almost feel like the FIA is responding, especially 
negatively because Pierre raised a very big stink. Well, I mean, I, I also think the, the timing and the presentation is a lot. You can do a lot of things and get away with them based on your timing and your presentation. And like, you know, we're all sitting here, we're watching this. Pierre is like very animated, talking to people in the garage. They're showing him on the broadcast. And kind of the first thing we hear is the stewards are looking at Pierre for going too fast. The first thing we hear is not the stewards are looking at themselves. (laughs) Like it's, they're looking at Pierre. And I think if you had packaged this the right way, which would have been, we really messed up. We're going to do a formal investigation into this and see how we could have possibly done this, especially given the extraneous, like, especially given the factors and the fact that, like, literally 10 people years have ago, died. we killed a driver in this situation. If they had said that, taken the blame, done their thing, and then said, okay, but we're also going to look at Pierre because mm-hmm. outside of this circumstance, unrelated to the circumstance, he was going too fast. I think everyone would have been like, yeah, we're still mad at you about the tractor, but yeah, yeah, you're doing mm-hmm. the right form of action. Yeah. What the FIA did was we're looking at Pierre, then we're looking at ourselves. Nolan, what's up? This is like connected to the, the cost cap kind of mm-hmm. thing that we're talking yep. about earlier in the show. It's just like a waffly, undefined kind of thing. It really paints the FIA as an organization that protects itself first yes. and doesn't want to... Yes. Uh, show itself doing any sort of outward action or inward introspection. It goes both ways. What pissed me off the most was during the red flag situation and they're analyzing this onboard stuff, the commentators on the on the show started like kind of criticizing Pierre and you, you started to see the wagons being circled, right, around the FIA to protect them from this obvious uh, uh, lapse of judgment when it came to the tractor. And then they started like bringing in people like you've never seen on the broadcast before to pile on to Pierre. But it was, just, it was just such a bizarre and frustrating thing to watch live. Mm-hmm. I, tur- I turned off the broadcast at that point. Uh, when they red flagged it and they were starting to look at Pierre, I was like, I will wake up in the morning and watch this. I don't want to watch another person die. Like I was yeah. just, a- I was upset. It was not cool. It It's, Still not cool with the multiple hours of red flag. You would think that perhaps some investigation could have been done during that time period. Right then? Yeah, when we've got everyone involved all in one spot and we could all talk to them and figure out what happened. Um, That does tend to seem like something that would be extremely important and that people should focus on as opposed to Gasly. Like, Gasly was going very fast, yes, but, like, there should not have been an opportunity for him or anyone on the track when all the cars have passed by this tractor that is on the track during the cars being on the track. Like, that's not okay. That's, that's a, that is prioritized in my mind as we screwed up here. I also thought it was very interesting that the FIA managed to, within three laps, less than three laps, just encapsulate all of the problems with itself because we've run three laps on this track, right? We're red flagged. Everybody starts this race on intermediate tires and then the F1, the FIA and F1, they're like, all right, nah, nah, it's too wet. And it's like, everyone's on inters. Yeah. What are y'all doing? Okay, what's going on? Everyone wrecked on inters, okay? Ah. Anyway, 
So we have this happening, and FI, the FIA and F1, they're like, nah, it's too wet, pull them in, right? And then they have the tractor, and then they have the issue with Pierre, and then they're like, yeah, we're going to probably penalize Pierre. And it's like, it has been three laps, y'all, and you have managed to just be really embarrassing. To catastrophically ruin a a race like yes just catastrophic three laps and like we may not get this thing going and then they get it going and somehow it gets weirder (laughs) i'm like how do you manage to do this like it uh, uh anyway with that let's talk about how the race got weirder so we talked about the kind of red flag in the rain basically what happened was carlos signs had this horrifying slide into the barriers on lap one um and part of the barrier got attached to pierre gasly's car this poor guy (laughs) that is what led to the tractor incident which led to all the other incidents uh that was a mess so then we have this like middle ground right where the cars are parked everyone's kind of standing around like oh it's raining (laughs) you know we're just kind of standing around waiting for the race to restart me it's one o'clock in the morning and i'm just like (laughs) it's raining (laughs) when's it gonna start okay so there were a couple of times when um stewards like all right go back to your car we're gonna start this thing and then they're like, nah, never mind. Get out of your car. We're not starting this thing. I remember I was so tired, right? Because it's like two o'clock in the morning at this point. And they're like getting in the cars and getting out of the cars. And like all the drivers are in their cars for one of the restarts. I can't remember if this was the actual restart or a waved off restart. And they showed Carlos signs in the garage. And he wasn't wearing his fire suit or anything and I had completely forgotten because it's two o'clock in the morning I had completely <laughs> forgotten that Carlos Sainz was out of the race and I was like Carlos everybody else is in the car you gotta go you gotta go but you can see that I was having a horrible time <laughs> trying to watch this race um so they finally get this thing going right and um in Formula One as I'm sure people know you have um a two-hour and a three-hour window, all right? So the two-hour window is the race itself cannot exceed two hours. The three-hour window is that once you start a race, you have three hours to get it done, right? So that means if you stop it in the middle with a red flag, your maximum time that you can sit around and do nothing is three hours. So they finally get going with 40 minutes left on the three-hour clock. And I'm like, this was the worst decision of my life. Uh, This is a horrible decision, but I'm committed. And so they get out there and they run their race and they do their thing. And I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like, I'm going to die. That (laughs) clock hit 30 minutes and my eyes were closing and opening and closing and opening and closing and opening. And I was like, this is the longest 30 minutes of my life. I was watching that clock and I was like, get to zero. Like I was so (laughs) tired. I was so upset. I was like, I cannot believe there are 15 minutes left in this race. How am I going to make it? Anyway, so they do their race. They, yeah, woo, race the cars. They get to the end. Alpines, Fernando Alonso, and Aston Martin, Sebastian Vettel are going just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for sixth place. Everything else was just not as good as this. Um, Except for there was a battle between Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc for second. Um, But... Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso had a photo finish, except it was for sixth place, but it was still a photo finish. Good for them. Sebastian finishes sixth. Fernando finishes seventh. It was 
literally no time between them. So when you look at the like finishing order, it says how many seconds behind the leader they were. Sebastian Vettel was 46.358 seconds behind the leader and Fernando Alonso was 46.369 seconds behind the leader. So wonderful, good for them, photo finish. We also had this really great battle between Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc is in second, Sergio Perez is behind him, and this man is just like dive-bombing Charles Leclerc. And I'm like, whoa, something exciting is happening. Um, Charles Leclerc ends up cutting the course, and he ended up later getting a five-second penalty for it. So, you know, it was interesting. Um, Nicholas Latifi got points. That puts him in 20th in like a 22-driver championship, I think. But he was like... 22nd (laughs) which is really bad so he has now as many points as Nick DeVries who ran one race um good for Nicholas Latifi then we have the end of the race which of course Max Verstappen won and some weird stuff happened after that didn't it Nolan yes so uh in that battle the previously aforementioned battle between Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc uh Leclerc was doing a pretty good job defending until he made a critical decision, uh, made a critical mistake, rather. Uh, on, critical decision to skip the course. <laughs> yes, he uh, understeered a little bit, went off the course, went through some gravel, got an advantage over Sergio Perez, was able to maintain his lead in front of the Red Bull driver, uh, crosses the finish line in second place, but with that little excursion off-road, um, he got a five-second penalty which promoted Sergio Perez to second place, securing the World Drivers' Championship for Red Bull's Max Verstappen. This decision didn't really come until many minutes after the uh, race was over, so it was one of the most anticlimactic Drivers' Championships I've seen in some time now. Not be- not because of the outcome necessarily, but because of the celebration. It was a little muted by comparison to some of the other uh, wins that we've seen in the past. There was also this weird situation where um, none of us really understood the point scenario for this race. So, so F1 actually changed the way that points are distributed yes. for partial races after last year. Because last year at Spa... The, it was another very wet race, and the race lasted exactly two laps, both of which were behind a safety car, but that was determined to be enough to qualify it as a race uh, at Spa at the 2021 Belgian Grand Prix. Basically, Max Verstappen got a free win, and that potentially helped him get a championship. They awarded half points for this, which you should probably try to get like half the race distance if you're going to award half points. Anyway... It was a whole situation, and that kind of came down to the championship, which perhaps helped Max Verstappen win the championship because he got those extra points in a race that kind of sort of didn't really happen. So the FIA went overhauled the points structure as it stands for these partial races, and then it got really confusing because of the way that the race happened and then was red flagged but then restarted. So no one had any idea what was happening. So I think the general vibe was we all knew about the points restructuring, which was if it's like 0 to 25% of the race, you get this percentage of points. If it's 25 to 50, you get this percentage of points. And if it's more than 50, you get this, okay? So that was kind of everyone's understanding after the spa disaster. 
But um, the the critical point in this rule was if the race does not get restarted. And the race got restarted. And they made it, I think, slightly over half of the scheduled distance. Anyway, so we all understand, like, all right, yeah, points are weird. And then the FIA is like, no, the rule says if we don't restart the race, y'all, we restarted the race. Now, that's going to be weird. the, The issue here, too, is like, no one knew that was happening. No. So the commentators on almost every broadcast were assuring people that Verstappen did not win the world championship <laughs> and that he would not win the world championship because of the way that the points were going to be awarded. Yes. I also think this just opens up like a weirdness for the future because it's like if the race does not get restarted, what if yes. we do two laps and then we like sit for 45 minutes and then we do two more laps and then we yeah. sit? Does that count as a restarted race? Does that what is going on here? Anyway, the FIA again. <laughs> the theme of this race is just setting well, the theme of the season really is just setting precedence <laughs> for that will inevitably Be cause bad. weird to happen. In coming seasons. Yeah. It's so... And, like, there was another issue at the end of this race as well, where in the past, um, when you hit the two-hour mark of a race, you go one further lap. Mm -hmm. So when Verstappen took the checkered flag, no one was actually sure if that was the end of the race or not. So they were telling people to, like, slow down, but some people were getting directives to go faster. Um, But when you hit the three-hour mark, that of the broadcast window it just ends you don't do the additional lap that was something that wasn't even communicated to teams so there was all of this confusion about these regulations that were coming into play um and i a couple team personnel i believe someone from aston martin i want to say was like yeah we all agreed on these regulations as teams uh with the fia but we also didn't really read understand part of it (laughs) well like i mean if you're operating on a a, like basis of knowledge already and you're hitting a certain like thing that has never happened before there's no real reason why you would know exactly how it's going to play out so like they hadn't hit that three-hour broadcast window before how are you supposed to know that you don't do that additional lap because if in the past, they've only hit the two-hour window. Like, it was... Everything about this was so weird. Yeah, it was so awkward. They they did the normal, like, post-race interview, whereas, like, they interviewed first place Max, second place Sergio, and then they called Max back because Herbert, his little earpiece, a producer, must have been like, hey, tell him he's going to win the championship. And then Herbert's like, bro, I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not qualified to do this. Uh, I, I I can't muster the excitement that de- that Max deserves for that. It was so awkward, it was so freaking weird. Um, God, this whole race like the vibes were off. I hesitate to use the word vibe, okay, because I think it's a little overused. <laughs> Everything is a vibe nowadays. Oh man, uh, freaking Kane's chicken—that's a vibe. That's Raising a vibe. Kane's is a vibe. <laughs> this Japanese Grand Prix was a vibe. It was bizarre it was weird it was not a full race it was it was just a vibe and uh max winning the championship in that fashion certainly fit the vibe of the race poor dude i feel bad for him he cannot win a normal championship and there was also oh my i felt so bad for him there was this photo of him and his girlfriend kelly pk 
like hugging after the championship, but it kind of looked like like an awkward like cousin hug. Like it didn't look like it didn't look like two people who were dating. It was like I don't know. Oh. It's like if you go to JC Penney in the nineties and you're like, JC Penney, can you take our picture? And they're yeah. like, Yeah hug each other in the most awkward way possible. And I was like, oh, my God, no. Well, there's, like, there's a conspiracy theory that goes around the internet that Kelly PK and Max Verstappen are siblings (laughs) and that they're dating um, because they have slightly similar facial structures. I don't. But this is a normal thing on the internet. That's how it goes usually. that's, That's just a thing that the internet does. But, like, also, they weren't helping themselves with that photo. People are kind of mean to Max on the internet sometimes. Like, do we feel bad for him at all? No. Eh, I mean, I do. You know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, I say. He's, uh, (laughs) now that he's he's champion two times now, like, he's going to get a lot of derision. And, you know, sometimes it's it's, uh, run-of-the-mill haters online, but sometimes people take it too far and, uh, you know, cut him some slack, you know? I've been mad at Max Verstappen since he replaced John Eric Verne and not only replaced him, but also took the VER driver tag. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. I'll never let it die. I'm going to hold this grudge until it's over. Like, I will be buried in the ground. My new meme um, is actually going to be Max on his little champion chair. We'll post it on the Donut Racing Show Twitter account if you want to see it. If you haven't seen it, there is a photo of Max Verstappen in front of a mural after winning the the championship. He's like in his little driver uniform and there's like this little mural thing on the wall that says world champion and it's blue. And they gave him like this little like red chair that has like so like a furry blanket on it like this. I have that chair. (laughs) I have that chair. You have have the exact chair. I got it off of Wayfair. It's the same chair. It just... Okay. Okay. It must be just... (laughs) Being an F1 driver just must be such an awkward existence for most of the time you're at the track. You have people like Johnny Herbert and David (laughs) Couthard doing the post-race interviews. People who are recognizable but, like, not great uh, broadcasters asking you (laughs) weird-ass questions. You have to sit in these cool-down rooms are so awkward sometimes yeah hey max go sit in this chair while video behind you plays you know like it's just and it so was, bizarre like, segmented off from everyone yeah, else it's and like he got up and he was like i feel really awkward it must be so uncomfortable <laughs> anyway so as we uh alluded to the the podium was max verstappen in first sergio perez in second and charles leclerc in third place after that five second uh time penalty Driver of the day was one Sebastian Vettel. He famously loves the Suzuka circuit, and the Japanese fans love him. He finished in sixth place. Uh, Your DNFs for the Japanese Grand Prix were Carlos Sainz, Alex Albon, and that's it. Okay. So Max's teammate Sergio Perez is second in the World Drivers' Championship race right now by a single point. And in third is Charles Leclerc. And George Russell and Carlos Sainz are neck and neck for fourth place with a five-point difference. Uh, Rounding it out, Red Bull is pretty much set to win the World Constructors Championship at the U.S. Grand Prix next time out. They just need need a lead of 147 points over Ferrari. And since they currently have a 165-point lead, uh, yeah, it's going to happen. Meanwhile, 
McLaren and Alpine swap standings once more and are separated by only 13 points. So the best of the rest is still hot. Fellas going for fourth. Good for them. Oh, oh, Nolan, what time is it? Finally, it's time for Boyfriend of the Week. (laughs) Boyfriend of the Week is our recurring segment where we talk about we choose who's the best. It can be anybody. It can be a driver, car, moment, team lead, someone online with a nice take. You get the picture. Uh, This is middle school rules. We're only doing boyfriend for this week. Who's good enough to be our boyfriend? I'll lead off. Uh, I actually thought about who my boyfriend is this week, and it is Esteban Ocon of Alpine Racing. I think he did a wonderful job holding off Lewis Hamilton, even though I was rooting for Lewis this time out. Did some stellar defense for the closing laps of the race in the wet. It was really amazing to see. Uh, I think that Esteban and I think Esteban is going to give Pierre a real run for his money next year in that Alpine. I'm so proud of you, Nolan. This is the first time Nolan <laughs> hasn't shown up and gone. Lando Norris, yeah. he finished fifth. <laughs> I was hoping the answer would be Zach Brown. Like, oh yeah, just, we just keep just it in the family. Just keep it in the family. You know, Zach <laughs> yeah. Brown finished fifth. Well, Nolan, he was not in the race. Um, <laughs> Zach Brown went to Bathurst. Good for him. Um, my boyfriend of the week, a fan in the stands during one of the practice sessions, had a hot pink sign with Gunther Steiner's face on it. And it said, Gunther Steiner, will you marry me? And I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I respect That's it. an interesting choice. All right. That is a very interesting choice, but um, good for you. Uh, and I also just really enjoyed, I don't watch a lot of practice broadcasts because I forget that they're happening. Um, but I watched the practice broadcast on like Thursday night where this fan with the Gunther Steiner like sign was. And I love the Sky Sports practice broadcast because they don't talk much about practice. They're just like, oh, yeah, Bob from Ohio says he's watching in bed while his wife is snoring. (laughs) Hello, Bob. (laughs) Cheers. And then they like show a picture of a tweet from some guy who's also laying in bed watching the race. And they're like, hey, buddy, you don't have a shirt on. What's up? And it's like, what is going on? Like, we're just reading tweets. My runner-up for Boyfriend of the Week is Danny Kvyat. Um, Alanis, I've done three. I have not done three. You've I done did, the fan. You've done the broadcast. I did not you're... do the broadcast. I did not do the broadcast. The broadcast was context for the fan. <laughs> Thank you very much. The broadcast was not my Boyfriend of the Week. Anyway, my runner-up is Danny Kvyat. The spirit, uh, I'm getting yelled at about the spirit of the rules. And you know what? Christian Horner is not here. And so if Christian Horner is not here, I can make whatever rules I want. So... <laughs> Danny Kvyat, he's a former Formula One driver. He now runs in NASCAR, and he's changed his Instagram bio to NASCAR driver. I'm just waiting for Max Verstappen to take his NASCAR car from him because, as Elizabeth will tell you, um, Max Verstappen takes everything from Danny Kvyat. His girlfriend, his car, his his child. <laughs> his <What>? child! <laughs> Literally everything. And now Danny Kvyat is a NASCAR driver, so I await the day that Max Verstappen comes to NASCAR. Elizabeth, who is your boyfriend of the week? Uh, I'm going to pick a broadcaster for mine because the BBC Formula One radio broadcaster Jack Nichols has started texting me very long words that are fancy that he wants to use in the broadcasts, and he busted out perspicuous wow. during practice. Yeah. So I actually listened to it because I felt bad because he told me he was going to do it. And I finally realized that you can listen to this on the F1 app. Yeah, it was good. 
We also had submissions to our Twitter account, which uh, we are Donut Racing Show on Twitter. If you want to submit Boyfriends of the Week to the Twitter account, please do. We love Boyfriends of the Week. Um, several people submitted the Rich Energy book, Racing with Rich Energy, and Aww. they sent like little photos with their books, and it was really sweet. They were like, this book is my Boyfriend of the Week, and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Anyway, that was lovely. So thank you very much for listening to the Donut Racing Show. If you like this episode, please, please subscribe. Tell your friends and your enemies and leave us a review. Maybe we'll read it on air. Here's one from Stormtrooper2384. Stromtrooper. Um, excuse me. From Stromtrooper2384. I found this because I'm a longtime donut fan. I'm newer to the sport, and this helps me fill in the gaps and it is super funny, best of all worlds. Even if you don't like F1, you'll like this show. Hey, <laughs> that's my pitch for the show as well, Strom Trooper. Thank you. Also, let's let the girls get their own show on the Donut Media Ooh. YouTube. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have read that out loud, that last part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, This is you. actually great, Nolan, because a lot of people are like, just leave Nolan by himself. The girls are annoying. No. And this person <laughs> says... I like the girls. Thank you yes. so much, no. Strom Trooper. I add nothing to this show, really. I know nothing. <laughs> like Nolan, you add so much to the show. We do Boyfriend of the Week yeah. and you go, Lando exactly. Norris. Exactly, yeah. Liz <laughs> and Alanis are the backbone of the show. I'm just here to uh, have my voice out there. Anyway, next year, next year, next episode, excuse me, we'll be covering the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin. Trust me, you don't want to miss this one. Red Bull is slated to win the Constructors' Championship, and I am reading over Elizabeth's part, I just realized. <laughs> I was just wondering how long it would take. Nolan is Elizabeth. <laughs> Nolan has decided he's one of the girls, so he's just going to, like, he's just going to, like, get our I'm segments. just one of the gals. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the gals. Well, Elizabeth and I will be at the U.S. Yes. Grand Prix, and Elizabeth actually gave me the idea, like, two hours ago that I need to take my Valtteri Botas butt poster and because we actually get like an hour with Valtteri on like Thursday or Friday or something, I should take my butt poster and get him to sign it and take a picture of it like he did with Lewis Hamilton. And he signs it and everyone's happy, right? I think that's a great idea, personally. Thank you, Elizabeth. All right. Alanis and I will be at the race. So we're going to give you a full rundown right here on the Donut Racing Show about what it was like to be on the ground. We are also hosting a little informal meetup on Friday at noon. This is at the track, presumably somewhere in the main plaza. Haven't decided that quite yet. But if you're going to be at Circuit of the Americas, be in that general region at noon, and we will tweet out where that location will be on our, our Twitter account, at Donut Racing Show. Elizabeth and I are also very fond of riding the carnival rides at Circuit of the Americas, yes. so we will if ride If you a want to go on the you. carnival rides with us, please let us know. We could have I a rich energy stoked. book. Carnival ride on the Caterpillar Kitty Coaster. Oh my god. We could, could just imagine everyone holding their books out. Holding their books out and we're on the Caterpillar Coaster because there's this a Caterpillar like, Kitty Coaster and it's actually so much fun. We love it. Really it's fun. like four dollars. <laughs> so uh yeah, we're gonna do that. It'll be great. We'll see you afterward. Um if you're not familiar with Donut, we have a YouTube channel as well as an automotive history podcast called Past Gas. Check them out. You can follow DRS on Twitter at, at Donut Racing Show. I am Alanis in King on Twitter and Instagram. 
Elizabeth is Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Eliz A Blackstock on Instagram. And Nolan is Nolan J. Sykes on both. That's but you right. already know that because he self-promoted himself about 30 minutes ago. Hell yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. We adore you. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.